0: Heroes. Highlights. And hardships. With Triple M's Rush Hour. Welcome back to the Rush Hour. Gus, Jude and Wendell. It's the Hero Hardship Highlight Podcast. And uh, Jude, we did you not so long ago. Now it's time to put the uh, spotlight on the big fella, Wendell Saylor. So Wendell, thanks for
1: joining us, big fella. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. Big fan of the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's start the
1: ball rolling, mate. Hero for you. On or off the um the pitch? Oh look, I think for me, uh oh, look, I think both my parents, um, you know, I was adopted at uh two days old, and I think my, my adopted parents, um, yeah. So I think that for me, just I think the sacrifices they made for me, you know, to take me on board. And, you know, back in those days, it wasn't done through adoption agency. It oh. was a uh, so what that, happened? Uh, they were the next-door neighbours and then um, my birth mum at the time wanted him for adoption. So for me, um, that whole scenario how that all happened, you know, when I got a bit older, I understood the magnitude of it and what they'd done. And, and my dad, uh, Daniel Saylor, who was, um, yeah, it just I just think the way that they just sort of embraced me from a young age. But I suppose it happened a lot back then, uh, especially with our, you know, uh, whether it's the island community mm. and obviously Indigenous community. So, mm. um um, yeah, I was born in Brisbane, um, and uh, born at Royal Brisbane Hospital there, and then mum and dad took us up to you know
2: Serena MacKay,
1: up to, yeah, Mackay, Serena MacKay, because the old men wanted to work on the railway, because a lot of a lot of those, a lot of the blokes back those days, a lot of the older blokes, especially my dad, he's from Torres Strait Islands, um, they worked on the railway, obviously you know on the farmland.
2: Did they communicate early to you that you had been adopted along the time? What what was that sort of experience like?
1: No, not really, no, not until I was about oh I think twelve or thirteen. Mm. So my birth mum. Um, they, she, she'd come in and out of my life uh, as an auntie. Mm. So I suppose when you get to about thirteen, there's a lot of things are going around in your head because you're getting to sort of high school, and then I don't know. I just, um, yeah, I think later on in my life it sort of played a, a few more, um, a bit more with my head. But, um, but yeah, but you know, big on family. So mm. it, it was a, it was a point that I probably when I got older I sort of had to go get some counselling on it because it was just uh, the um not knowing where you come from and just um, how that sort of transpired. What about your relationship with your... Actual father,
0: your birth father. Did oh, no. you have any time with him at all?
1: No, I never really. Met, I never met my birth dad, so that's the thing too. So, um, did you, you know. ever investigate as you got a bit older to try to find him? Or no, not really. Um, you know, my kids have always said to me, you know, Dad, wouldn't you like to know? You know, about, and I suppose one of those things where my dad, Daniel Saylor, who, who adopted me, he did such a great job. But like, uh, you know, and you see all those trees that come about. Um, well, it's family the family trees now yeah. are huge, right? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So, no, no, I didn't. So, but, you know, they were great. They gave me a, a wonderful start, so I left it at that. And um, sport was virtually my vehicle, like, to, to where I was going. I enjoyed it. They invested so much in me, not so much money, but, like, they knew it was going to be fun for me. Because this will shock you, uh, I wasn't great at school. What? No, but, no, <laughs> oh, but, but I, I did enjoy school work, but just my attention span, like, yeah, I you just... love the
0: banter, the group,
1: the classmates. But but and... Even the teachers. I never had a problem with the teachers, but, like, Whenever they'd say, hey, Mr Sader, can you please like, you know, I'd go, oh, miss, I haven't finished yet, you know, or, okay, go outside now. So it was in a cheeky way, you know. Yeah. Um. That's the nature of it. Never in a mean,
2: nasty way. No,
1: no, but uh, the, the principal of visited his office a few times, yeah.
2: What are those traits that you see yourself in, in the way you interact with your kids uh, now from your parents? Oh, look, I think I think the difference from, oh, I just, I think there's, there's, you sacrifice everything for,
1: for your kids, and I just think that – um. I always try to be the fun sort of parent because my dad, to be honest, my dad wasn't that fun. And my my mum and dad didn't play much sport, even Mm. though they wanted me to. So whether it's Tristan and I, we'd have one-on-one cricket matches and, you know, it's a bit of tough love. I'd be a competitive, (laughs) but Tristan was always talented. Teese was good too, but Teese would always want to do Singstar or something. And then it was funny, where it stopped a little bit too is when I got busy and stopped playing sort of games with them, like – and I think sometimes you've got to keep doing those things because, mate, you know, I just go, like, I haven't got time for that, you know, be on the road. So I think for me, and the kids, they don't forget that,
0: yeah. Yeah, there's a thing at the moment saying the only people that will remember that you worked that little bit harder are your kids. Yeah. You know, because work certainly don't remember and you can be easily replaced. We all know that. We've all been in positions where you're flying and all of a sudden you're not. So, yeah, those moments are absolutely key. And that's why a lot of grandparents are better than they ever were as parents too, because we learn stuff as we yeah, get of older. Course. So your mum and dad who yep. took on those roles and stuff. And I love the fact what you just said there. I didn't have to go and find my dad because I actually had him. Yeah, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. Mm. And he he must have felt that. But did was you ever tuff, have that discussion yeah, with him?
1: Not not really, but it was a tough one for me because he wasn't a dad. That was because I'm overly sort of loving and with my mates and I hug and I tell my, my friends and that I love them, a bit like Drew with a taxi driver, you know. When he's, uh, but um, He was more old school? A bit old school, you know, like uh, never got to have a beer with him, mm. um, which was a tough one because I, I see father and sons and I got to have a beer with Tristan, um, you know, a couple of times but in the dressing sheds this year. Uh, and for me that was a proud moment because it made me think of my dad. Yeah, Because when my dad was drinking, I didn't drink till I was 21. Yeah, yeah you were late, weren't you? This I was late because I wanted to be successful and I was so focused on – People thinking that when you're uh, with your background and you know the culture, that uh, a lot of my uncles and all that, and my aunties and people just say, Oh. Oh, mate, you know they just want to get the you know the welfare check or you know they just want to get. So I want to stay focused. I want to make a difference for all my cousins and um and and my family members. You know, being a country boy and that, I just knew I could do something. Um, and that's and that's sort of why I didn't drink until I was twenty one. But obviously after that, I enjoyed myself. Hey, you made up for it. Oh yeah, no <laughs> doubt.
2: Dale, you've had such an incredible career. I mean, a dual international. There's not many uh, here in Australia. I mean, take us through some of the highlights for you, both on and off the field.
1: Oh look, I, I think when I first um. It's a great story. When I first got the call up to um, to play for Australia, because, mate, Australia had a good good team, you know, on the back of 2000, 2001. They had guys like Joe Roth and Ben Tune and those sort of guys. And I got an opportunity in 2002 to play against France in Melbourne. And France were Six Nations champions. So Ben Tune was injured at that point in time. And Eddie said – and Eddie gave me a call and said, mate, you're in the team. And Eddie's a bit of a hard ass. Um, and um, and then he said, mate, if you, you play well – but regardless of what happens, Ben Churn will probably come back. So, But he still put pressure on me to play well. So, yeah, so played that. But the best thing about that, after I think we beat them by about 13 points and, um, you know, that were Six Nations Champions, France, because they um, really? played a great style of rugby in Melbourne. It was a great crowd. This is when the crowds were there. Yeah, you get nearly uh, 90 yeah. to 90 100,000. Mm. Uh, and as we're in the dressing sheds having a beer, um, I'm just sitting there thinking, mate, I'm a dual international. Like, you know, I never thought of it. It wasn't, a, wasn't something that I, I dreamt of. But yeah. It was something that sort of, you know, transpired. And as I'm sitting there, and um, they said, "Oh, there's there's someone at the door for you," and um, I, su- I said, "Oh, yeah, just tell them to wait, you know, because <laughs> because being like rugby league, Melbourne, I just thought, mate, might be one of the league boys or whatever," um, and in this industry too. Anyway, it was um, Kathy Freeman. Oh, wow. And Kathy Freeman with You uh, don't make Kathy Freeman wait, brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Especially after 2000. Yeah, I know. exactly. Well, you know what? She, she was with a friend of ours. She was with Tiff Cherry. So oh, Tiff, Yeah, Tiffany Cherry And, love her. Tiff. and so when they said, I, was, I said, oh, yeah, tell her to come in. And all the boys were like, <laughs> oh, mate, you know, because people didn't realize that we grew up together until about, oh, I think 14, 15, but she was always the next level. But that for me made me understand, like, where I was at, how, you know, the journey hadn't finished yet,
2: but this was pretty good. Yeah. You always uh, put that photo up or just a, a bit mm. of a video of landing in Mackay Airport and there's pictures yeah. of Kathy Freeman and then Wendell And, Saylor. and Wendell
1: Saylor, yeah. At, at yeah. Airport. Oh, no, but it's, it, it's humbling because, mate, the way that we grew up, because her brother was a really good athlete. No one to understand this. So people that in and around Queensland... As scored, when you say athlete, you mean
0: runner? No, no Or do no, you no, mean no, just no, overall, both, all sports? Wow. Both
1: and better leagues. So me and him went to the Broncos together. He sort of went back. Took a few shortcuts, went back. But, you know, Norman Freeman, whenever you talk about Cathy Freeman, people bring up her brother, Norman. He was like, he was an absolute gun. He wow. was a gun centre and that. Uh, he just, whenever he used to see me, he'd go, he goes, mate, I wish I would have came back to Brisbane with you because he went home to see family and he just sort of stayed there. Mm. You know you know what it's like when the boys, people go back to the country. Do you yeah. do you
2: see that in, maybe in terms of just influencing young players now where they have a network and they don't, you, you need to get set up well, early in your career, don't you? And have that pathway and support because sometimes players yeah. sort of choose to go back home and yeah, get well, in the wrong crowds. Yeah, well, that's
1: the stability uh, thing too with uh, with family. Like you look at all those, uh, when you look at the Gotla, like Hammer, the Hammer, you know, mm-hmm. like Hammer. So, mate, like a lot of those Island boys, they go back to Torres Strait Islands. Like, you know, up where Kansas, is, the Torres Strait's up there. There's so many talented um, me, uh, boys and girls, but they don't want to leave home, you know? Uh, mm. and, and Can they, you understand get, why? And they get, yeah. is, it, is it literally where you'd go for a holiday? So
0: it's oh, paradise. Beautiful. So it's like,
1: why would I go to the big city? That's right. Like, I think the Jilleroo's went up there just recently. It's family
2: attachment too, isn't it? Exactly. A yeah, you know, sense of community.
1: Yeah. And you said this too. Uh um, you know, with uh, Mickey O'Loughlin, you know, yeah, you get homesick straight away when you come, and then your parents have got to sort of push you away, because <laughs> mate, even at some stage, I said to mum, I said, oh, look, I, I might come back," and she goes, "No, you're down there now. You can do this. Believe in yourself." And um, I was lucky because I had guys like Anthony Seibold around me, who was who, who grew up different to my culture, but having more country country people around you made it a lot easier. Because going to Brisbane back then, it was it, it, it was tough, mate. I um, I love that Mickael Lock, and if people don't know that
0: story, he basically rang up his mum after he came down to the Swans and said, "I'm coming home." And she goes, "You can't, I've your already rented out your room." room. Your <laughs> cousin's got your room, and it worked out okay. So, what about a hardship, big fella? It's obviously the hero highlight and hardship podcast. Yeah. The hardship part of it. Some people who know your career would automatically think the drug ban. Was yeah. there anything
1: else that you wanted to no. discuss in terms of yeah. a hardship for you? Look, I think the drug ban was part and process of of me. Not masking what I'd sort of been through, not dealing with, you know, the adoption issue, sort of living a very surreal lifestyle where, you know, you can you can just, you know, you can walk into A-list nightclubs and, and be this person, mm. but it's not who you were, but you just sort of play that role, you know. And then when you get home, that's not really who you are, even though, you know, people, you know, you play that sort of role. But I think for me, the hard, hardest thing was when I, when I went over to Rugby Union, was I didn't realise the pressure on me. Like we look at Joseph Suoliti now, and mate, there's gonna be some pressure on him now. I want him to embrace it because he's got the talent. But so my dad passed away only a couple of months before my wedding, um. So in two thousand and one, and I think for me, that was the hardest thing for me was losing him, um, to a heart attack. And I remember the pan packs. Remember the pan, oh, the the Australian titles used to be on all the time. Mm. And I remember I was sitting there, and I remember Mum calling me, and she said, um. We've lost him. We've lost him. So my dad had it. He's only fifty-two. He had a heart attack in the chair. I remember it like yesterday. And I go, Mum, what's wrong? And my dad wasn't. My dad never really got sick before then. Mm. Um, and it was just one of those things where you know he pre- didn't really go to the doctors that much. He just worked, got up early, took me to training, and then just didn't really win. You know that was the way they did it back then. Mm. And uh, and I remember Mum was crying. Then the ambulance came, and they took him to the uh, hospital. And then for me, um, I, I, I was just frantic. I was just, Tara goes, what's wrong? I said, Dad just had a heart attack. You know, and, and you know, I'm like, I'm 23 or 24 or whatever and it's just one of those things where, oh, 25, one of those things where you, it's your dad, it's your hero. Mm. You know, I thought he's going to live forever. But then they got to the hospital and then he was okay. Like, he, they got him back and he was okay. But that just scared me. So then I went back home. Wayne said, look, go back home and see your dad. So I went and saw my dad, took Tristan back, me and Tristan. Tristan was only like two or three years of age. Mm. But that was just a hard thing to watch my dad just like be in that hospital bed and just mate. And to be honest, when I went to Mackay Base Hospital, I, I looked and I actually went past because I didn't believe it was my dad. He'd lost so much weight. Wow. Yeah. So he eventually passed in the hospital he, from he, that attack. Yes. Yeah, so no. So he. So then he went back home the next week, and he actually passed away next week. So. Back but they in thought home. he was going to be okay, but he passed away at home. So mm. it's one of those things that. And at the time, I didn't really deal with it that well because I I sort of said goodbye to him. Um, I didn't stay for the wake, which I should have stayed for the wake, and I played football on that Saturday uh, against against the Northern Eagles in Gosford. So and that's one of those things where sometimes I reckon the
0: Broncos might have beaten the Northern Eagles yeah. without your brother.
1: Yeah, but Wayne said to me to have it off and I said no, my dad would want me to play. Yeah. So it's one of those things when I see people that go through it it's it's not what what your dad want you to do it's what you you need to do. Mm-hmm. If I had my time again, mm-hmm. I would have stayed for the wake and, and 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 said goodbye the right way. I felt like it was all rushed.
2: Let yeah. yourself grieve and, yeah. and heal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey – Ah,
0: Del, we've yeah. worked with you for yeah. well nearly at the end of our fourth year together mm-hmm. and, you we know, we love, love you like a brother, mm-hmm. mate, and uh, we keep learning stuff about you every time we sure. talk to you. So yeah. um, thank you so much for, for sharing and being thank so you. vulnerable and just authentic. That's all yeah. we do, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank you, brother. Yeah. That's Wendell Saylor on the 3H's podcast. The
1: Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell.